0: Talking on
1: sports with friends. Bellas, just talk about sports. Here it is, y'all. We're on the air. Sit on the sofa, throw your hands in the air. We're talking sports so you can come on and listen. NFL predictions. What you're missing? Nothing. We got you covered for college football, too. Hello,
0: hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside.
1: And I'm Tay Eric Taylor, and we've got a special show talking NFL with a special guest, Ray, who's joining us today.
0: Yeah, we got a little reverb going on, so let's check out that audio. Uh, we got Tony Richardson, former NFL great fullback, who did some really really big things in the NFL himself and also leading the way for some thousand yard rushers and we're also going to be talking about the Sail Away Foundation an organization that he's involved with that has a mandate of eradicating sex trafficking so should be a very interesting and informative show I think we might have our guest right now hello and welcome to Ray and Tay today
2: Hello, this is Tony Richardson. How are we doing today? All right, Tony, how are you? I'm doing great. It's actually a very nice, beautiful day here in New York City, so uh, doing pretty good today. Hey, Tony. Good, good to, to have, have you on, on with right. us. Hey, it's good to be on.
0: Yeah, well, welcome. So so this is Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Tall Ray, and I got my partner Tay, Eric, Eric Taylor. Taylor. He's, out in, yeah. he, he's out in Arizona. I'm here in New York. Huge Jet fan. So let's put that okay. on the table. Both of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for coming on our show. Uh, let's just get right into it. I wanted to talk some football, and then we can okay. talk some of the great causes that you're involved with off the field.
2: Okay, sounds good.
0: All right. So, Tony, let's jump right into it. You. So you blocked – I read this, and I was like – and I knew, I knew you had a, a productive career, but I read this, and I said, wow. So you blocked for – a 1,000-yard rusher in an amazing nine consecutive seasons. So you were opening, opening the whole, you know, parting the Red Sea like Moses. So what was that like? <laughs> what was that era like when you were just, you know, making it happen for 1,000-yard backs? It obviously a slightly different era in terms of the running back, but, but tell us what that was all about.
2: Uh, you know, it's actually pretty good. But I think that, you know, a lot of times people are like, "Oh man, you made all these great running backs and everything else." But I'm like, ah, well, I had a guy by the name of Adrian Peterson. I don't think I really had to do too much <laughs> <laughs> because, because he he was such a great uh, running back. But no, it was great. I mean, I think I, I took you a lot of it to um, you know great offensive line play. I mean, think about you know when I was in Kansas City blocking for uh, Priest Holmes and you know Larry Johnson. Man, I had shoot, I had Willie Rose, Hall of Famer. I had Will Shields, Hall of Famer. <laughs> And then you get and then Minnesota, you know, you look. Then you look at Minnesota. I had, you know, Steve Hutchinson and, and Matt Burt, and you know, you had some really good guys. But uh, you know, it was it was definitely a great run. I um, had some great great running backs that I was able to work with, and you know, really built some great friendships. So it was, uh, you know, was definitely a, a good a good time for me.
0: That's also, awesome. and don't play, don't downplay your role. You know, three time Pro Bowler. Um, so you mentioned those guys. So you've got Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Adrian Peterson, and also our guy, Thomas Jones, in New York, 1,000 yard yep. back. Yep. Um,
2: so yep, Thomas Jones, yep.
0: What is it that those guys had in common? Or, you know, how did you work together as the fullback and the running back? I mean, well, tell us a little bit about that camaraderie that you started to talk about.
2: Well, I think, I think the biggest thing, I, you know, for me, um, you know, everyone's like, man, how you play so long in the league? And I said, man, it's all about mentorship, and that's the thing I think that really helped me a lot because, you know, my first my first year, I jump into uh, I jump into uh, the locker room with the Dallas Cowboys, and I have Emmitt Smith as a mentor. Then I, I'm there all year long, obviously Emmitt Smith and Daryl Johnson. Then I go to Kansas City, and I look up, I got number thirty-two, Marcus Allen. So it just, you know, you look around and you just like you start to understand like how important it is to build that relationship with with your running back. And, like, so we spent a lot of time together, obviously on the field, but off the field. Uh, We studied tape together and all those different types of things that, to when we went into the game, we pretty much could read each other and we pretty much knew what each other was thinking about. And I think that really helped us a lot in, um, you know, some of the success we had.
1: That's amazing. And that's so important, too. So, Tony, let me ask you this. What about with Kansas City, one of your former teams, what is happening there now in their running game? You see Kareem Hunt, what he did Sunday night, Patrick Mahomes, you know, how do you feel about this team?
2: And do you think Andy's got them going in the right way? And will he stick to Kareem Hunt in the running
1: game?
2: Yeah, you know, that's, and that's very interesting you ask that question because I think what they're doing is obviously just a tad bit different. I mean, obviously it's, it's electric. But, you know, the thing about it with those RPOs and for uh, our listeners, RPOs are the run pass option. That really, that, that, way, that style of running now, I mean, it's almost, I went to a high school football game on, uh, obviously not comparing the Chiefs to a high school football game, but I went to a high school football game on, on Friday night and I got a chance to talk to the offensive coordinator afterwards. He was, you know, I kind of understood it, but he was like, man, the way teams are running these offenses now, it's almost impossible for the, for the defense to, to even, you know, to be right at any point in time. And so, what Andy Reid, what he has these guys doing now, is absolutely incredible. I mean, you look at Kareem Hunt, arguably. I mean, you talk about a guy that was a, a, a late round draft choice, um, and arguably to me, it's probably one of the best running backs in the league. And you know, with Patrick Mahomes and all of the weapons, I mean, it's just uh, it's pretty amazing. And to me, I'm not sure who's going to be able to stop that team when, when they get when they really get rolling.
1: Definitely, it's so true. And then you know, you think about your other former team, obviously, you know, the Vikings and the Jets. But just yep. looking at the Jets. And, you know, you, with your work with SNY, how do you feel Sam Darnold and the coaching staff, Bowles, do you think that the Jets are headed in the right direction? And we can get to the Vikings as well. But did you like the Sam Darnold pick? And do you think that they're really just a free agency away from getting a number one receiver and, and maybe upgrading the running back? You know, they have good pieces in the secondary. What's your thoughts about Donald? Bowles, and the New York Jets. You know, Jet fans really want to know, yeah.
2: man. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And and, and that's, uh, you know, that's, I'm so excited because that, you know, for me is, you know, I had the years with Rex Ryan. We had Mark Sanchez, and we had a veteran team. But I really like, and that's the thing about it, I'm so glad that, you know, that the organization is still behind Todd Bowles because it, it takes a while. It takes, you know, a three- to four-year time period. I know in New York, we don't really like two years. We don't like three years. We, we want We want instant. You know, instant gratification. But I really do like the way uh, the team is built. I think Sam Darnold is uh, a franchise quarterback. I think we're definitely going to be able to put some pieces around him. And I agree with you one hundred percent that you know we are probably you know a draft pick away or you know a few um, you know signings away from really getting this thing going because all the all the pieces are there. You know, he's a a young quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. But you know, I was even at the game on Sunday, and when you have a young quarterback you know, the drop passes and, you know, the mistakes, and those kind of things, you can't do that to a young quarterback because, you know, we need to – well, I can't say we because I'm not, not playing anymore, but you need to you need to have guys – I know, right, I always get caught up in saying that, but you need to have, uh, <laughs> you know, guys that you're going to be – that he can trust that, you know, when I give you the ball, which is a five-yard pass, you got to catch it. You got to turn up and get the first down, you know, the pass protection, those kind of things. And obviously he's going to make mistakes because he's a rookie. But, you know, the things that you, can, that you can fix, those are things I think that, you know, the teams need to concentrate on now. Yeah, for sure.
0: Tony, you're a young guy, but I got to say, we, and we're football fans forever, so we saw you come and go in the NFL. But this is a whole different NFL. And, yeah. you know, what do you think about the evolution of the game in general and specifically the fullback, the position you play? Uh, how has it changed? And would you like to play in this type of NFL in in today's NFL? Because
1: you were a good yeah, receiver, are, Tony. Too, you were you were you were under yeah. un- underestimated as a receiver.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, you looking like I said, you start looking at some of these uh, some of the offenses, and I don't. I mean, you know, I did play a little tailback, but I don't know because the really te- the teams really don't use the fullback that much, and and it's just simply because the way these RPOs and these run pass options is way of putting in the passing plays, but. Um, you know I, I think I can probably hold my own. I did play a little bit of tailback it uh, it definitely, uh it's definitely the offense that is, it's wide open now um, you know a lot of spread offense um, you know a lot of you know a lot of different you know because we did like in Kansas City we did a lot of shifting and movement and you know it really kind of played into you know having a fullback because then you can motion and pull back out and you can run flat routes and all those kind of things but now it's kind of a whole different style um I think the physicality of the game now is probably something that I would probably get in trouble because even, you know, even Kareem Hunt, he's had two penalties where, you know, he has to get a couple extra yards and he lowers his head and he gets a flag for, which I don't even know what you call targeting because you can't target your know, offense. But, Isn't that uh, crazy, but he has, right? It, Offensive guys it, it, getting I, penalties downfield. <laughs> yeah, right? the rules are a little like, messy. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, that's a tough thing for me because, like, even the pillback block, and I get it, those are some violent blocks. I mean, I made money on those blocks. Like, we, like you come up and, like, if a guy's coming to, you know, tackle, you can just peel back and, and uh you know, and kind of say hello to to a few people. or now
0: you do that, <laughs> you're
2: going to be sitting on the sideline or, you, or you, your paychecks gonna be a little light. So uh, it's definitely a different game. But I do understand that the one thing we always want to focus on is, you know, player safety and, and the health and welfare of our guys. But it's definitely a different NFL.
1: Well, speaking of it being a different NFL, when you look at the offensive stats and, you know, kudos to, you know, Drew Brees, the last two weeks, you know, the 500 touchdowns, fourth all time, and then number one with yards. But for maybe the next generation, how are we going to be able to judge really where players are at when, you know, the NFL is bragging right now each week, you know, that's the highest scoring this and the most yards and breaking records. Do you think that this is going to start to skew sort of how you look at pro bowlers, hall of famers, NFL records? And do you also think it's worth it if you're making the game safer in terms of the concussions, you know, where do you stand on that and how do you view it overall?
2: Yeah, that's that's a very good question because and it's it's, it's interesting because that, Tom Brady had just mentioned that you know because I it, I think the question came up when, after Drew uh you know because they, they are breaking records in the passing games you know, you know you got Patrick Mahomes going for what four, four or five touchdowns per game and you know doing things that just hadn't been done before but even Tom said it and I think Tom is you know probably one of, uh, I think he's okay to kind of speak on this I think he's done yeah. I think he's done okay in the league so uh, what he's <laughs> said, quarterback play now. Quarterback play now is so much easier, and it's not like easier where you down plan what these guys and the work they put in, but it's definitely easier to to read defenses the way you know these RPOs and this, you know all those kind of things. And so I don't know how you. It's, it's me interesting. It's a whole different era because you know the days of you know um, just lining up. and, You know normally you have like uh, you know two or three hundred yards of total offense. Now it's like oh man, we ha- we only had five hundred yards of total offense today. Like what do you mean you have five hundred yards of total offense? That's like it's like a Madden number, so it's a, uh, it's definitely, um, it's definitely something I think is going to definitely, you know, it's going to be hard for the writers and the people who do make those Hall of Fame decisions to, but you know, kind of quantify that. But I think it's all going to have to be by error because you can't look up and say, well, hey, guess what, the Holmes is better than uh, Joe Namath. Like, okay, easy not easy. You know what I mean? Because those are the kind yeah. of things that. Like, it was a, it's two, yeah, it's two different errors and you can't... You hey, know, you listen, get, Tony, it was hard, it was done hard done.
1: for Ray and Tate to admit that Brady is passing, you know, probably has passed Montana now, which, you know, we exactly. had to give up, but Montana was still 4-0, and and Mr. Clutch, you know, but, yes. you know, we, we gave it to Brady, you know? Yep, we no, had
0: no yeah, no, I, we had to take and the error into hard. account, but
2: still gave it to him, yep. Yep, and that's, and that's the thing to me, because, you know, that number one question I always get, it's You know who do you think is the greatest running back of all time? I'm like, you know what? I'm not That's even gonna hard. get into that debate because you can, you can't do it because you can't say that. You know that. Um, I mean, you look at some of the guys. That, I mean, the Walter Payton era, the Jim Brown era, the yeah. you know Tony Dorsett, like all those guys. Even you know, and the thing, and I as a running back, I actually, I feel bad because. You know, I watched the documentary with OJ Simpson, and I think as a young player, I forgot I forgot how good OJ Simpson was. That guy, man. he was. Oh he was yes. Incredible. we refer I mean, to him often. Orenthal James was a bad man, Tony. Yeah, oh my I, I went back and started studying tape on him. I'm Like man, he can flat out get it done, and so that's <laughs> but that's why I never get into that. that uh, I never get into that conversation with who's the greatest running back because it's, it's all on error, and you know, it's just it's just a totally different game.
0: Yeah, we had Eric Dixon on the show, and he was talking about how O.J. hosted him when he visited USC, and he said people don't forget. People forget O.J. was a bad man. I mean, put the stuff off the field aside,
2: you yep, know, yep, strictly between
0: yep. the lines. He really revolutionized the game. So you're right. In every era, it seems like there's a couple of those, a couple of those backs out there. Speaking of which, what do you think about these new flock of backs? These really do it all backs. And you know, we talked about Kareem Hunt. You got a guy like uh, Alvin Kamara down there in New yes. You got these backs that really can catch out of the backfield. Can you know Le'Veon Bell? He's sitting out. We need to give him back on the field. Um, you know, Charlie Elliott. These and the
1: whole guys
0: yet. Yeah, these are some really well-rounded backs that can influence the game almost as much. Receiving out of the backfield. You take a guy like Le'Veon Bell. He could be a receiver, frankly. Um so so what do you yeah. think about the evolution of the position and do you think do you do you like what you see from these guys and their versatility?
2: Yeah, you know, actually I, I really do because, you know, it's starting to get back to uh um it's starting to get back to how it used to be because you know, when I first came to the league, running backs really didn't come off the field. Like you had the Emmitt smiths that were first down, second down, third down, fourth down, back, and then it went to a period where Okay, well, we got this guy. He's going to run on first down, second down. We got this guy. He can come in and do the third down. Then we got yeah. this guy. He's going to be this. And so I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of liking that you have these guys to have that versatility because that that's to me a true running back and a guy I like to look at is a guy who can do it all because you know that's why when I came into the league, you know Emmitt Smith and Marcus they taught me like you know you got to find a way to the co- so the coaches can never take you off the field versus just saying okay we got this guy he can only do this we got this guy he can only do this so I. I do like these. I mean, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, man, this guy hits like. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he literally can run routes almost as, as good, if not better, than some wide receivers. So that's a, yeah. that's 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 a plus. I do like watching these guys play.
1: You are so true, and you know, but it does go back. When you talk about that third down back, it made me think of uh, you know Ray and Tay. One of our favorites was uh, Eric Metcalf. He was one of those little oh, yeah. scat third down backs, and you remember he would come in and you know and, and, and take things over. So. Tony, we you know that you're close to the game. You, you still are very involved with it. And we got to ask you this. It, you can be honest or you can revise it. What was your initial Super Bowl pick? Right? I think uh, Ray Ray had the Broncos. Would you have Ray? Broncos, Rams?
0: Yeah, because everybody was taking, you know, the favorites. I, I, it. I thought yeah. I was going to take the Broncos and, with the Chargers and the Rams. Right, right. And I, had the
1: Steelers, and I had the Steelers and the Rams, but I didn't know Le'Veon would hold out to probably like week ten. But what what was your yep. pick, and if you had to change it, what, what what would your pick be today?
2: All right, so my pick initially at the beginning of the season, just because as long as they got that quarterback down there and they got that coach down there, there's always a chance. I, I was going with the uh, AFC. I was thinking um I was thinking of the Patriots because that's you know that's pretty uh yeah. that's pretty easy to do. But then it, and then again I was going rematch because. The Eagles at the beginning of the season on paper, you know, especially and as they started to continue to keep, you know, adding uh, guys on the defensive line and off season, I was like, man, they're stacking right, this right. team up, and that's really how they won it last year. And I'm like, okay, you got two good quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, and you got the Super Bowl MVP. So I'm thinking, like, man, it's going to be a chance that you have the, the the replay. And now look at the season; everything is totally different. I mean, the Patriots are still putting it up, but their defense is not as good as I probably thought they would be. But you know, the right. thing about it is they're they're always the second half. Uh, season team They Once they oh, get yeah. That thing They always Do it But then now If you look at it I mean you'd kind of be I mean If I had to put my money on it I'm not sure Because I like Kansas City My only thing I'm going to say Kansas City and the AFC, But the thing about it You can't give up 40 some, 40 some points a game They need a healthy Justin Houston and Eric Berry It's a lot It's a lot to ask for No doubt No doubt And then right. uh, And then the Rams And the Rams Come on man Like I Ty Gurley, man, I wish I had him on my fantasy team, I and mean, he's putting up bad numbers every single week. I'm like, I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, this is insane. But I'm like, week in and week out, okay, I'm like, all right, he, you know, he can't go off again this week. There you go, four touchdowns again. I'm like, man, this is crazy. So yeah, it's kind of hard to go against the Rams, basically the way they they built that defense, and i mean, they're kind of clicking on all cylinders uh, week in and week out. So that's my NFC pick right now.
0: Yeah, and and Sean McVay and Wade Phillips. I mean, they need to get a lot of credit too. These guys are. You know, yeah. uh, putting oh, yeah. it together yeah. week in and week out. I got to tell you what, Tony, yep. let, let the fans know, give us a story about, you know, something funny or unexpected that happened in the huddle or in the locker room oh, or man, something that, you know, room, the man. fans don't know about, yeah. but something that you experience as a professional athlete.
2: Well, you know, I think some of the best, you know, huddle stories are just like, you know, you're in a crucial situation, especially I played with Brett Favre, so he was a lunatic. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, it was just funny, though. You know, just different things. And I think Brett had a unique way of, you know, if, if we were in a pressure situation or, or uh, you know, we really need to get a first down or whatever, and everyone's in a huddle and they're, like, staring, and all of a sudden Brett would be like, man, who farted in here? And I'm like, everybody just starts laughing. But, but then he's just like, you know, it just, it just, it just allows people to just take a deep breath and relax. Or Brett would just say, like, he'd be like, hey, man, you know, hey man, we get out of here today, guys. We're gonna go eat some Kentucky fried chicken. And we're like, dude, it's like third and two. You're gonna talk about fried chicken. So it's uh it's, uh he was he was a character he was a character to be around. Um, now the locker room the locker room was a whole different animal. So that's a you know, different the, beast. The, yeah. I guess the, that's a whole different beast. The funniest stuff that used to happen was because we one thing we always said there was I mean, there was a lot of things in the locker room. There was things you never talked about that were off limits. Like you never talked about someone's kids, you never talked about someone's wife. But if someone came in there with the craziest outfit on, we literally, especially in New York, with with uh, Bart Scott, like a guy would come in on game day, and he think he's like he think he's going to the GQ, you know, to to a runway. And he would go take, he would go take a shower. He would go take a shower to practice. We would take his whole outfit and we we put it on a string or a rope and tie it up and hang it all the way to the top of the ceiling. <laughs> and just like, like that <laughs> So just, just like some guy comes in He's, he's just getting out of the shower He's just like He's looking for his clothes And he looks up And he's like, hanging he's like <laughs> And he's thinking like Man, I, this is the best outfit I can put together And I'm getting clowned on <laughs> So uh, yeah, the, that's, locker room a, that's the locker room was understandable <laughs> like, did, you, did you
0: see Ryan Fitzpatrick When he wore Deshaun Jackson's outfit? That was see, hilarious See, stuff <laughs> like that That's, that's classic,
2: yeah just go get yeah. somebody's clothes and just put them on and walk out, and he's standing there like, man, where's my clothes? <laughs> yeah, that
1: that is so great. So, but listen, we want to talk to you about before we go off the field. I have one more quick question because you just had touched on it. Yeah. You made a very honest comment about Todd Gurley and fantasy football, and we want to know because yeah. you know, Ray and I, we've we've been playing it for years, even back in the days with the USA Today when you had to get the stuff and do the stats yourself how do NFL players when you're even playing and obviously now it might be different for you, but how do you guys view fantasy football and do you guys play it in the locker room? Do guys like, I mean, cause I can imagine it could be really fun, but I know some guys are so against it, but like, give us some insight. Yeah. What in your locker rooms, what do guys think about fantasy and what do they say about it?
2: Yeah. You know, I think it, it's kind of the evolution of the game. I think it's really grown now and the popularity and, social media and all those kind of things. I think guys are, you know, because social media was just kind of starting to get popular as I was transitioning out. But now you guys have, I mean, some some of our players have like millions of followers and it's like, hey man, you know, give me some fantasy points and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, for me, (laughs) I think fantasy in itself has actually grown the game. Um, It's true. I guess I kind of have two poles. I think it's definitely grown the game you have more people watching the game that probably wouldn't watch it. You have more women watching. Because think about – Oh, definitely. women you know, who are just like – because they're a fantasy team. They're like, hey, man, I got this guy. I mean, how do you know that? It's like I play fantasy football. They really know their stuff. But then on the yeah. flip side, from a, from a fan standpoint, a true fan, like if I'm a Steeler and I grew up being a Steelers fan, you know, how in the world could I ever have a Browns player on my fantasy team and I'm rooting for them? You know what I mean? So it's just like that part about it. I think you, know, I think you start to lose like – you kind of start to lose a little bit of that, you know. You know, I'm gonna punch you in the face if you, if you, yeah, if you come off, bad, the, you know, bad off, bad off, bad. off the sideline. Yeah. And family.
0: you only yeah, watch, and, and the other yeah. problem is you only watch offense, right? That's what I find myself oh, yeah, doing. You see the Red Zone Channel, and you only focused on the offensive that's stats, and it's only
2: half, half the game. Yep, and that's the thing because a lot of my buddies they don't even watch NFL football. They literally just watch the uh, what's that the Red Zone Channel. That's the all Zone they watch. That's what I do. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, enjoy the game. It's like, yeah, I am enjoying it. It's like, I got this fantasy team going. I'm like, all right, dude. (laughs) I'm like, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) But, but, uh, but, yeah, from that standpoint, I I think as players, and, you know, not being in a locker room now, I don't know. I mean, I just think there's too many other things you have to concentrate on while you're playing and be worried about, like, how many fantasy points you got. But these guys do take pride in it. And I know at the beginning of the season, these guys are like, you know, excited. They're the first picker, you know, a lot of teams draft and those kind of things. And so, uh, right, right. you know, but that's a whole, that's a whole different the social media area is a whole different, that's a whole, that, we got to, we got to say that for a whole different show. <laughs> yeah, right yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, Tony, we would love to talk football with you today, tomorrow, and every day, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the great things you do off the field, because, you know, a lot of fans and a lot of people know athletes from in between the lines, but we know that you do some great work off the field, so talk to us a little bit about the Sailor Way Foundation and some of the other yep. stuff that you do off the field, so that people know how well-rounded of a man and what you're contributing to society.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you asked me about Sailor Way and the foundation, because it, uh, you know, I, I guess I can share. Well, okay, I guess I can share a couple stories, and then we'll we'll talk about that. So my sister, um, uh, she just transitioned out of the military, so she did 28 years. And for deployments And um, so as she started to transition out She started to work with uh, Women that had been abused, sexually abused Physically abused, and even in the military Men, because even, and this is something That you don't even think about, but there's a lot of men In that population who Their wives are the head of the household And they're being abused by their wives And that was something like even eye-opening to me So my sister started to make me more aware about it um, Just like from that You know, that standpoint, just different things That our women and our young people are dealing with and then there's an organization that, that I was working with. Um, it's the Polished Man. And so Polished Man, what we would do is, it was, it was pretty much for all men, and we would paint one fingernail because we realized that one child, one out of every five children in America has been sexually, physically, emotionally abused, and you start thinking about those numbers, and it's, it's staggering. Um, and so my friend, uh, MJ, Pujone, she um, she reached out to me and said, hey, there's a good organization. I think this is Raptor Alley. I think this is something you need to, you know come here hear about and learn about and so I went to the first event and it was the felife foundation and just the presentation and the energy and the passion um of the organization and what they stood for is because this sex trafficking is something that and even for me, you know I guess I'm naive and I didn't really quite understand it know oh, how big it feels yeah they they had played this we had a chance to we went down to uh to uh we went down to uh, Sarasota Florida. And we had a chance to take a, um, an immersion tour. An immersion tour is a tour that really takes you to every touchpoint of how these young women get into the system, as far as sex trafficking, um, the places where they, they kind of hang out, um, then how they get arrested and how they get really into the system, and then this organization, Sailor Way, and how they can help these young girls and get them out of the situation. So we had a chance to like really see every touchpoint. But then even talking to the police officers and start, they start telling us that that they treat um, sex trafficking just as harsh as they do terrorism. And that's the thing that you start thinking about like, man, didn't I understand and this is a billion dollar business and the and the guys that are per you know, the sex traffickers or the pimps as they call it, they're not the pimps that you see back in the old days on television with, you know, the gold chains and the fancy cars and all that kind of stuff. These guys these guys now are doctors and they're they're sophisticated, very, right? Very sophisticated and it's just you know, and you start thinking, you start to hear these young girls stories and understanding that some of these girls have been, you know, unfortunately um, into the business by their parents, and the first person to ever try to take advantage of them could have been a dad or could have been a mom, and then you hear their stories, and the girls, are, I mean, they all almost all have the same story of like, "Did you think this is a life that I chose for myself? Like, this isn't, like, I wasn't, I'm not, I mean, does this make me a bad child? And that, when I heard those stories, it's like, you know, because sometimes we live in a society where people judge people and they see these girls on the streets and like, uh, you know, she's not this, she's not that. These are humans. These are people. And unfortunately, based on the area code or the zip code they were born in, those are the things that happened to them, and that's the life that was chosen for them. And then, but Taylor Way is, is giving them an opportunity to get them out of that system and get them back into society and get them back with jobs and everything else. So I'm so happy to be, you know, involved in that organization. And it's probably the best thing I, that I'm involved in right now.
1: That's great, Tony. And we spoke spoke to Elizabeth about it. And yep. we were amazed yep. at all the different locations where, you know, the sex trafficking was the highest, Texas and Minnesota and, and Arizona. And she yep. said that she was coming out to Arizona to, you know, develop, um, you know, and bring Sayla Way out here. And I'm out here. So I, I definitely plan on, you know, trying to help volunteer and link up with her. Do you also, when you, you know, choose these things or work with different organizations, does it always or is it always something that, you know, touches your heart with, you know, like even the connection with your sister? Or have you even invol- been involved, for example, with concussion studies or TBI or anything like that? Um, what other aspects or what other interests do you have off the field that you might get involved in that you could share with us? Uh,
2: yeah, you know, I really hadn't got into I, My buddy, uh, Nick Lowry, who uh, obviously was a longtime chief. And, a, yeah. and a, a New York Jet, uh, and uh, yeah, he actually lives out in Arizona. So Nick, Nick has been kind of my person I've leaned on from that standpoint of just, you know, gaining more information on on concussions and and the, and not even just concussions alone, but the research has been done To kind of help these guys that are, who are dealing with problems and who are dealing with issues. And so those those are, those are, I kind of lean on him for that. But an organization I'm really proud to be a part of is uh, uh, Best Buddies, and so I'm actually on the board for Best Buddies. And so that's uh, Maria Shriver and Anthony Shriver, the Kennedy family. And they, um, so basically what happened is they, um, they created an organization to allow, uh, you know, basically you have a buddy. So these young people, you know, with uh, IDD, intellectual disabilities, um, they, you know, when they're in school, I think about, you know, them trying to just be, because all they want to do is inclusion versus exclusion. And they want to have, you know, just a, a person that maybe can help them get to homeroom or maybe can help them get, um, have somebody to sit down with at lunch or just kind of get them through their day. And so that's what Best Buddies has created. It's created a buddy for, you know, these young people so they can, you know, live a, a productive life, um, you know, obviously while they're in school and then when they leave school. So I love Best Buddies. That's actually Tom Brady's uh, organization. He's uh, outwardly um, supported as well. And so I just I have a, a special heart for, for young people with disabilities because at the end of the day, you know, they, they want to have jobs just like everyone else. They want to be able to raise a family. They want to be able to get married. They want to be able to live on their own. And so, Best Buddies is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Oh, that's great.
0: And we really appreciate you telling us also the, the, you know, the side of you away from football because I think that the athlete today, because of social media, is so in the spotlight and everything gets scrutinized, and a lot of it is negative. Yeah. You know, and if people don't understand, that these are men and women, but, but, you know, in the NFL, it's just men that go out there and they play, but they also have lives away from football. And they do things no, no. for their community, and they do things for the children or the elderly or the, 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 the disadvantaged or whatever. And I don't think that enough of these stories come to light. And so we thank you for sharing right. that. And um, what do you think about it? Just like on a, on a parting note, I mean, what does the NFL or or what do people need to do to hear more about some of the good things that these athletes do?
2: Yeah, and that's, that's great because that, what, I, what I do now, um, you know, I work with uh, my department's Legends Community with the NFL, and that's one thing we want to do is number one, we want to make sure our guys are are taken care of, and they're you know uh, it's the NFL brotherhood, and so we want to make sure our guys are taken care of, and they're. Um, anything they need, any way we can support them. That's what we try to do. But on the other side, we want to be into the business of storytelling. We want to be able to, you know, because all our, all our athletes, you know, because you hear so many negative stories and, you know, this guy living under a bridge or this guy living, you know, um, in a hotel room and, you know, all the guys are, are like that. There's a lot of guys who are doing some positive, great things in the community. We want to be able to tell their stories. And so that's one of the aspects we do with, with Ledger's community. And um, and, our, and actually, our, our uh, we actually have an uh, Instagram handle, which is NFL, uh, NFL legends, and it's, okay. that's what we do. We just really storytell and, and allow people to see that because it is, it is negative, and negative think about it. But that's, I think that's just society, though. You turn on the news.
1: Oh, yeah, it's negative it, all
2: that. <laughs> yeah, you live in New York City, and it's like, I turn on the news. I'm like, it's like okay, there's a stabbing, there, there's a shooting there, there's a mugging. You get like 10 things happen before you even get to anything that's positive. So um, that's, that's what sells newspapers, and that's what drives ratings. And that's unfortunate, but that's one thing that, you know, our guys are doing some amazing great things. And that's one thing we want to do is just highlight that. So I'm glad you brought that. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Thank you, Tony. Listen, before we let you go, one funny thing. T- tell everybody the truth, man. Does Kansas City have the best barbecue or what? <laughs> I haven't tried it, that's yeah. what I hate that's what I hear. Eric Dickerson says it's Texas. But let us know, Tony, yeah, is yeah, it yeah.
2: Kansas City or what? Well, you know what, and I'm kind of biased because we actually have a uh, we have the official Kansas City Chiefs barbecue in Long Island City called John Brown Smokehouse. So uh, a little plus for the restaurant. And uh, so if you okay. ever want, if you're in New York, come to John Brown Smokehouse to get some uh, to get some barbecue. But it, it's very interesting because I think it's two different styles, almost okay. like footballs two different eras. So I think you know <laughs> we're in Kansas City It's more uh, based around the salt, and I think in Texas it's more of like a a vinegary like uh, it's more of a of, of a dry rug so yeah, that's that's a tough to so that those are during the you can get two grandmas in a room, and you, you can start a fight if you start. <laughs> you oh get, yeah, <laughs> one, one, one grandma will be like, "No, baby, my my barbecue's better than hers," and then we don't want to yeah. we don't see we don't want to see grandmas grandmas fighting. So that's that's a conversation that uh we got to we got to have a taste test. We because that, that might start a brawl. That that might not be a brawl we want to see. <laughs> <Imagine> <laughs> well, that's that. true, and, and you know the Carolina <laughs> yeah.
0: people, like you said, the vinegar based
2: Carolina people will put in there too. Exactly. Yep. Then you got Alabama. You got. 'Cause in Birmingham they got a uh, I can't think of the name of the place, uh down there in Tuscaloosa. They got they got a place down there they they can flat get down too. So it's uh that's okay. a tough yeah. I'm I'm not gonna get into that. I'm gonna get to, go through the airport and some already. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't start
1: no mess. Don't start no mess now. <laughs>
2: nah, nah, I'm no, I'm not going there. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, thank
1: you, Tony. Listen, this has been fun and you are welcome to come back anytime. You know, we're diehard, you know, NFL fans, but we're also fans of, you know, humanity and, and positivity and giving back and, you know, working with kids and, we both do a lot, you know, working with kids and charities and our personal lives, and so we just appreciate you doing that and just, you know, continue on with that. And um, and maybe we can talk to you around the Super Bowl, man. You know, this is going to be an interesting season, how it plays out. So, you know, you're always it's welcome. Sounds good. All right, Yeah, this
2: so is
0: great. Thanks, Tony. Today. This was our pleasure, and keep up the great work off the field. We, we really uh, look forward to hearing more stories uh, and some of the great work you're doing. All right, thanks so much, guys. Talk to you later. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank
1: care. Awesome. Tony Richardson. All
0: right. Wow, I, that was great. That was awesome. great. That's that's awesome. You, you, you heard how he shied away from 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 the barbecue. He didn't want to get in the middle of that. And also, that's that's like, serious. Hey, hey,
1: hey. Listen, you talk about barbecue. You saw what Eric Dickerson was saying. It, it, that's, those are fighting words with the barbecue folks. Oh
0: yeah, so. remember when we were talking about the dry rub? He's like, no, no, that's that, that, that. I was like, okay, okay, that's Texas style. Let me not mess with that. Because <laughs> you said about barbecue sauce, and he said, no, 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 this is Texas, man. This is dry rub. This is we don't that's do that. Right. Eric, you're, Eric you're us, <laughs> that's right, Eric. Eric, corrected
1: us. He corrected us definitely. So that's great. It's awesome, and I, I love his, you know, insight just with, you know, the, obviously the individual teams, the era, and and just the style of play, you know, and and it's so true. So, you know, I, I think we're almost headed to that halfway point, you know, and you know, obviously the, you know, the trades going down, the Cowboys getting Amari Cooper and stuff, and you know, I, I, I we joked with Tony about the Super Bowl, but you know, I I don't know, I. Looking at it, you would think maybe Patriots, Rams, or Chargers, Rams. It's 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 going to play out in an interesting way. I, I definitely would well, say that. Well, you
0: know what might be a wild card. Although I don't think he gets moved. But Patrick Peterson, where does he go? I don't think Arizona's going to let him go because they'd have to get a King's ransom for him. If Amari, St- uh, Amari Stottomayor, <laughs> look where my head is at.
1: If Amari well, Cooper. Saints it. could be- definitely use him, Ray.
0: Yeah, you add Patrick Peterson immediately, your defense upgrades. But we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And, you know, Ray and Terry, we'll talk some football. We're also going to talk some basketball we got the baseball. we got the World Series starting tonight. What, so there's what, a lot going your, on in the sports pick? world. What's
1: your pick? Red Sox, Dodgers, who you got?
0: You know what? They won 108 games. They're a yeah. special team. They're having a special season. I got to thank the Red Sox. I think they win in five. I think they just take care of business.
1: I got Red Sox in six, but I'm rooting for seven games. And, you know, I don't really like either team, but you're right. The only problem with the Red Sox, not the greatest bullpen. So if the Dodgers can get clutch timely hitting and maybe push them to have to bring starters back in, or if they can get to Barnes and those guys, that's where the Dodgers have a chance, but they, they, you know, they got to go pitcher for pitcher and they, they got to go, you know, they got to get clutch hitting. It's going to be funny either way, you know?
0: We'll see. Yeah. So a a great next couple weeks, right? We got the NFL playoff, you know, starting to shape up the playoff race. We got basketball, your Lakers are 0-3, uh, we got the spitting incident, the fight, the suspensions, uh, the World Series. So a lot going on. We'll talk about it in some future episodes of Ray and Tate, But this was awesome. It was great to have an NFL pro bowler talking sports, talking football, and talking off the field. It was it was awesome.
1: Yeah. All right. We are
0: out. Three. See ya.